Good morning, guys. I was walking into the sanctuary and I heard somebody say something about uh, Scotty will cut his sermon short. I don't know where you got that lie from, but that ain't going to happen. No, I'm just kidding with you guys. Um, If you will, go ahead and turn with me to the book of John. We're going to be in chapter 12 today. Um, But before we do that, there's an announcement that I started making last week, and this is an announcement that you are going to hear for a couple of weeks. And the reason being is because when we cut our live stream and edit our live stream, the only thing that gets posted on our live stream is the sermon portion, or the only thing that gets posted on our um, YouTube is the, por- the sermon portion. And amazingly, a lot of people check in later to see what's going on with us, but I want to be sure that this announcement is made. As of April 17th, Easter Sunday, we will no longer, after that Sunday, live stream anymore. We will still record our messages And we still will post our messages to premiere on our YouTube channel, HGBC Life, at 6 p.m. on Sunday nights. And I want everybody to understand why we're doing this. We always want to do the right thing. And we never want to do anything that could harm our ambassadorship to Christ or the gospel. And I know a lot of people don't like laws, but laws are laws. And then copyright infringement is a serious crime. We don't want to be criminals. We want to follow the laws of the land because we want to continue to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ through YouTube, through Facebook, through all these platforms. And while, no, we don't have any threats of being cut off or anything like that, this is more of an internal issue that we're having. We want to do what is right. We always want to do what is right. So pray for us, guys, as we start moving on. You're going to see some changes happening. Um, You probably won't even notice them. Most of you haven't noticed that I've tried to stay behind this thing as much as possible, have you? No. Some of you have noticed I haven't been walking down uh, down the steps much anymore, have you? No. I'm having to train myself to a, a box that gets narrower this week, which I'm really not looking forward to. But... We are going to be doing a couple of things just so we can put out a good portion of our message and to where it doesn't look like I walk off the screen, walk back on. So if y'all see me go too far left or right, don't hesitate to do this or this. Scoot me in. Help me out, guys. I want to ask you a question this morning because we're going to be in John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, I talked about how chapter 6 was all about food, and it really was. Well, John chapter 12 is all about revealing. It reveals Jesus's anointing before his death, which is very unusual. It also reveals his triumphant entry as he comes into Jerusalem as a king on a donkey's colt. It also reveals that he also came for the Greeks as well, or the Gentiles. A lot of Jews thought that the Messiah would just be present and there for the Jews alone. But Jesus is telling us that his ministry is for everyone. And he starts using these comparisons of darkness and light. And I want to ask you this question before we get into this. How many of you can say with all confidence in your heart, I fully understand God. 
Anybody want to be brave enough to raise your hand? Anyone? I knew I would not be alone in not raising my hand. I told myself this morning when I was rereading this stuff that I would not be alone. But understanding an all-knowing, an all-powerful, a holy and righteous, eternal God, it's not an easy task, especially for simple-minded people like myself. You may be more educated than I am. You may have a higher IQ than I do. But for a simple-minded person, we will either underthink the whole concept of God, or we will do the direct opposite and we will overthink the whole concept of God. But love both leave you with one thing. Both leave you with uncertainty about who God is, about what God's about, about why he sent his son. And that's why it is so, so important that over these next couple of weeks, or actually, yeah, next three weeks, we talk about and finish up talking about these things of why he came. First week, he came to show us who he is. He came to show us that, through the, that he came to fulfill the prophets and the law. Second, he came to show us his mission. And his mission, what we talked about last week, of doing the will of God. Today and next week, we're going to be talking about something a little bit more eye-opening. Because a lot of people miss this and why Jesus came. He came to reveal to us God. He came to reveal to us God through light and through truth. He did not come <clears throat> so that we could have a misunderstanding of God. He wanted us to have a proper concept of who God is. But not only that, he wanted us to have a proper concept of how much God loves us. Some of you, that's all you need this morning. Some of you, you just need to realize more than anything else that you are infinitely and forever loved. You were created to be with God, not separated from him. And... It bothered him so much that you were separated for him that he sent his son to pay the death, to pay the punishment, to pay the sin debt that you were due so that you could be forever reunited with him in glory. For some of you this morning, that's all you needed to hear. For the rest of us, there's a lot more. So if you will, turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 44, and we're going to read through the end of the chapter. Starting in verse 44. And Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. I have came, come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my saying and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not perceive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. For I did not speak on my own initiative, 
But the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. And I know his commandment is eternal life. Underline that. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father told me. Let's pray. Father, for the majority of the latter parts of my life, my prayer every morning has been to help me know you more. Help me to know your ways. Help me to know your thoughts. Help me to know your wisdom. And Father, there's lots of things in my life that have separated me from truly knowing who you are. And a lot of those come down to my own opinions and my own views. This morning, Lord, we want to hear from your word, directly from your word, what you say about who you are. Father, we're so thankful that we have not only a copy of your word, we're so thankful that we're able to come together, Lord, and worship you in spirit and truth. We're thankful that we get to do this, Lord, through prayer and through praise and through the proclamation of your word. But Lord, even more than that, we're so thankful for this opportunity for us to quieten our minds, quieten everything that's going on around us, and have an opportunity for you, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, to truly speak to our hearts. This morning, Lord, I ask that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand the concept of who you are, the concept of what separated us from you, but also, Lord, the concept of the grace that you so richly offer us. We thank you for it all. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Everybody, and I do mean this, everybody has some or their own concept of God and who he is. To the atheist, God doesn't exist. That in itself is a concept. To the agnostic, God can't be understood. That there is nothing in this world that can help us to understand who God really is. To the Gnostic, God is seen as a mystical being that only mythological knowledge can help us to understand. To the Pharisees, God was a God of do's and don'ts. It was all about rules to help us make our way to a right standing with God. To the modernists, God is an irrelevant fairy tale. Think about that for a minute. An irrelevant fairy tale used to help us hold to some sort of moral standard. To many today, God is a concierge. A concierge who is here for one purpose and one purpose alone, and that's to make your every dream come true. There's many more concepts of, God's out there, of God out there. And each of you, and even myself, have some true concepts of who God really is, but we've also got a lot of falsehood with us too. A lot of things that we've been brought up 
to think. One of the things I was brought up was thinking was you never question God. Whoever came up with that statement obviously never read Psalms because David does nothing but question God time and time again. Whoever said that statement also must have never read Job because Job in all of his frailness, when everything had taken away from him, he asked God a simple question, why? But there are other concepts of God that we have that are completely wrong. Some of those concepts aren't, don't really have anything to do with God, but really have to do with a lot of the emotions that we have in us. For some, we think God is angry. How many of y'all have ever heard that? God is an angry God. We get this picture that God is just some bitter old man stuck on a rocking chair who's doing nothing but complaining and gropping about everything that stands in his way and is completely irrelevant. How many of you have ever heard, God is angry? Now, don't get me wrong. There are some things that God has a right to be angry about. But at the same time, I think a lot of that anger is the anger that is actually inside of us. We're angry about how things in our life have turned out. We're angry about the decisions that we've made. We've an we're angry because in some point in time in our life, we've been chastened. But at the same time, we forget 2 Peter 3.9 where it says, God is patient with all, not willing that any should perish. Those and sisters, that don't sound like an angry God to me. Matter of fact, if you go on into some of the Psalms and even 1 Timothy 1.16, we see that Jesus is a picture of an immensely patient Loving and caring God. Long-suffering. Do you really understand what the word long-suffering means? It means suffering for a long time for one individual. Let me ask you a question. How long did God suffer for you? How long did you make him wait on making a decision about who he is? How many days is he still patiently seeking you out? God is not an angry God. He's patient. Some would say that God is mean. I heard one guy one time tell me that God is nothing but a fat kid with a magnifying glass over an anthill frying them all. I do not know where that concept come in. It's a pretty, pretty funny picture. It really is. It's a pretty funny picture. But at the same time, God is not an individual who is seeking revenge for how the world has turned out. And I want you to hear me out on this. Because is God just? Absolutely. But just, just, being a just God and a revengeful God is two totally different things. How many times in your life has God had a right to show you true revengeance? Anybody else? I know I'm guilty. How many times has God really had the right to show you how vengeful he is? But Luke 18 verse 7 says that God will bring justice for his people. He will bring justice, not revenge. Sure, there will be a vengeance. 
that is given through his wrath. But at the same time, that vengeance isn't towards his people. That vengeance is towards all who reject him. You also hear that God is far from us. And I'm not going to lie to you. There's days I feel like God is very, very far from us. There's days I don't feel like my prayer goes any further than this ceiling. There is days in my life where I feel absolutely alone. There are days in my life to where, let's just be real, you just don't feel that presence. You know what I'm talking about? There's those days where you really feel it, but then when you're not feeling it, you're very aware. You're very aware. Brothers and sisters, God is not an introvert. He didn't want to be all to himself. Matter of fact, he created everything for his good and for his glory. He created everything to live forever, perfect, in unity with him. But one thing that we've got to understand is God never wanted to be separated from his creation. He shows us this. He shows us this in Jesus himself. Matthew 1, 22 and verse 23 says that he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Not God apart from us, but God with us. And he even says the same thing in Isaiah 4, 17. One of the reasons Jesus came, and he talks about it in the first part of this scripture. He who knows me knows him. He came so that we can truly know who the Father is. Jesus came to, mis- to correct our misconcept, or sorry, misconceptions of who he is. He knew we had all these thoughts. He knew we had all these opinions about who he was, but he also knew that none of them were truly correct. None of them were truly correct at all. So he sent his son, the best ambassador that anyone could ever send to show us not only who he was, but he sent him to show us how much he loves us. When I was writing this, a sermon, a thought come to my mind. And I want you to think about this thought for a minute. The thought when I read this portion, 44 and 45, can be summed up in a simple statement. If you know Jesus, you know God. But you can't know God without knowing Jesus. So simple. So simple. But so true. When Jesus came on the scene, he was always having to correct some misconceptions about who God was. He was always having to correct the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. He was having to correct the Gentiles and the Jews. He was having to correct everyone because everyone had their own conception of who God was. Which leads me to this question this morning. Who do you say God is? Do you say he's an angry God? Thank you. Do you say he's a, sorry, mean God? Thank you. 
Keep it up. Do you say that he's far from us? Then who is he? Then who is he? Very good. Boy, you're going to be a preacher one day. I'm praying for you right now. Jesus reveals to us who God really is, but he also reveals to us a couple other things. He reveals to us the separation that is between us and God. And he does this in verses 46 through 48, and I'm going to read them again for you. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. There's nothing more opposite than light and darkness. You cannot have light and darkness in the same room. Even when I walk into this place on a Sunday morning, sometimes before the sun is even up, the light that comes in through the windows gives a soft glow to everything that I see. But it's still not absolute darkness. Matter of fact, absolute darkness is something that is really very hard to create. I know people who will take duct tape or black electrical tape and put it over the little lights on their TVs or on their satellite receivers or on their DVDs. If any of you have a VHS, they'll put lights over that because the littlest bit of light irritates them. My niece, okay, she's not here this morning. I'm not trying to embarrass her. But my niece is the only person I know of that sleeps with a sleep mask. You know what I'm talking about? She has to have complete darkness to sleep. What aggravates her and aggravates the boys is because the boys always want her to come over to the house to spend the night. She don't want to spend the night with them because they want to watch TV. They want to have their glow light on. They want to have their black lights on. Yes, they've got black lights in their room. Um, Y'all want to come over and party later? Just let me know. But God wanted us to know that we are separated from him. And we are separated from him with the same contrast of darkness and light. And you know, darkness, while it is good for some things, for sleeping, darkness is bad for a lot of other things. Darkness is bad for this portion of your leg right here. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's amazing what you can find in the darkness. You can find the corner of that table like never before. You can find the edge of the couch with your big toe. You can find Legos, Matchbox cars, or Beyblades that you've lost for years. You can find all these things in the dark. But there's one thing that you will never find in the dark. True understanding. True understanding. And Jesus said, I came as light. I came as light so that you could have true understanding. The true understanding is that we are separated. We're separated. We are separated from a holy, infinite, all-powerful, and mighty God. What separates us from him? Any guesses? Sin. The crazy thing is, is a lot of times I don't realize I'm sinning until it's too late. Anybody else have that problem? 
Anybody else have those little four-letter words slip from their mouth before they know it even come out? One of my biggest fears is one of those is going to slip from up here. I'm not lying to y'all. That and my flies open. Those are my two biggest fears up here. It really is. But I have the ability to sin before I even know that I am sinning. A lot of times I don't do it intentionally, believe it or not. A lot of times I do it unintentionally. And so do you. But I want to ask you a question this morning. Would you have ever known that you were wrong? That your life was a simple, separated life from God unless somebody had told you? Would you ever have known that? See, I wouldn't have either. I wouldn't have either because I was happy with the way my life was going. It's funny, we talked about it this morning in Sunday school this morning. We're going through the book of Proverbs. So we're getting a lot of wisdom, I hope, out of the book of Proverbs. But we were talking about the Father's wisdom and about how I really didn't want to know the Father's wisdom when I was younger. How many of y'all were in the same boat? Anything your mom or your dad told you, you didn't listen to, did you? Why? They don't know what they're talking about. They're stupid. They've lost their mind. They don't understand what it's like to be me. They have no idea about the situation that I'm going through. They have no idea about what's going on in my life. My boys look at me the same way, even at the age of six. I know nothing. It's funny though, when something tears up, daddy can fix everything. It's amazing. But we didn't know that we were separated from God until he came to tell us. So let's hit on another misconception here. Who really separated who from who? Who really separated who from who? Because a lot of people think that God separated himself from us. God is holy. God is righteous. God cannot even be in the presence of sin. And a lot of people who are a lot smarter than me, when they talk about Christ on the cross and how at the ninth hour, the whole sky turned dark, and how Jesus himself says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's a lot of theologians who say that is the time that every single one of our sins was being put on Jesus. And God being a holy God, being a righteous God, could not be in the presence of that sin. Is that the case? I'll be honest with you, I don't know. Makes perfect sense to me. Because God cannot be in the presence of sin. And honestly, sin really can't be in the presence of God either. It just can't. It separates us. It separates us good from evil and light from darkness. So who is it? Who is it who really made the decision to separate who from who? Because see, this is something we don't like to do. This is where we honestly have to admit, I'm wrong. 
This is where we have to really sit and dig deep in ourselves and see how sinful, nasty, ugly, and corrupt we are. And when Jesus came to this earth as light into darkness, he came to give a message. And that message was open your eyes. Open your eyes. See what you're doing to yourself. Because everything you think is hidden is actually in plain sight. A couple, well, quite a few years ago, I think Easton was with us on this one. He may not have been, may have been, but regardless. We went to South Georgia. We went down for a hog hunt. Took a bunch of kids down there to the hog hunt. And man, we were having a great time. If you can have a great time in South Georgia in the middle of summer with 100 degree humidity, 99 degree weather. Well, we had one part of the day that we were gonna help clean up around the camp. And we got all the kids out there. We were cleaning up, we were cleaning up metal, we were cleaning up wood. We were just trying to make the place look a little bit nicer. Well, I grabbed a load of two by fours and I put them up on my shoulder and I started walking to the place that we were gonna put them. Now everything, this is a wide open field, guys. Everything was in plain view. You could see everything. So I walk across, put down the two by fours. And when I turn around, there is a six foot timberback rattlesnake right in front of me. I had just walked that way. There is no way that God, well, God could have beamed it there. I don't think he did. But I had just walked that way. And I had walked right over that rattlesnake. As we looked, there was a little indention in the ground there. And we're pretty sure that's where that rattlesnake was hiding. But guys, this was in broad daylight. Danger was right before me. And I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it until I turned around. We get a bad view on people, don't we? Because a lot of us have lived the experiences that others are going through right now. We look at people and the situations that they're dealing with and we think to ourselves, I've been there, they need to quit being stupid. I know how dangerous what they're going through is. I know the dangers of pornography. I know the dangers of drug abuse. I know the dangers of alcoholism. I know the dangers of premarital sex. I know all these dangers. And I look at these people and I think to myself, how stupid. But sometimes I forget that in all my stupidity, I never realized the snares that were right before me on a daily basis. And until I turned around, I never saw it coming. Even in daylight, many of us are still living in darkness. Darkness separated from God from things that we can't see. And that's why it's important, just like the Bible tells us, to daily seek in our hearts to find if there are any evil or wicked ways in us. Because a lot of the things that I do that are wrong, I don't know till it's too late. Jesus is the light that helps us see the danger around us.
And Jesus is the light that helps to bring us back home. The other thing that, God, that Jesus reveals to us, and this is the one I'm gonna finish on, is Jesus reveals the grace of God. Grace is something hard to understand, isn't it? How many of you truly understand grace? How many of you truly understand not getting what you truly deserve? And I'm talking about in a bad way. Because that's what grace is. Grace is us not getting what we deserve. We know that we deserve wrath. We know that we deserve separation from God. But when Jesus came to this earth, he came to reveal to us the grace of God. I'm going to read it one more time, verses 49 and 50. And I want you to look at what he's really saying. For I did not come to speak on my own initiative. Jesus did not come with his own plan. I want you to think about that for a minute. Jesus did not come with his own plan. He came with a plan that was set and put in place before the foundations of the earth. We're even, we even see it throughout the scriptures that before the foundations of the earth, God sent his son to die for our sins. So he came with a purpose. And in that purpose was to extend this grace to us so that we would not have to endure what he was willing to endure for us. The reason that we don't understand grace is because our sin makes God's gift of grace feel like a gift from an enemy. Any of you ever got a gift from an enemy? Any of you ever got a gift from someone that wasn't pleased with you or didn't like you? You take it, you put it down, you make sure it's not ticking. You shake it, make sure it's not something that's going to explode. But that's what God's grace is. It is, is. it is a gift that is given to us that we do not deserve. But the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment. Now, when we think about the commandment, what do we always think about? The 10, right? That's not what he's talking about here. As to what to say, he's talking about a commandment of what he wants communicated to the people of this earth and a commandment of what to speak. Now listen to verse 50, because this is crystal clear, but this is so significant to why Jesus come. I know his command is what? Eternal life. Eternal life. His command is grace. His command is forgiveness. His command is for people to see who God really is. A loving, compassionate, caring God. One who wants to be with his children. One who doesn't want to see full vengeance taken out on his children. And one who is honestly far from angry with his children. You ever notice it's hard to be angry with somebody that you truly love? That's why I tell people when they're angry with somebody, the most important thing that you can do for them is pray for them. Because when you pray for people, it's hard to be angry with them. Because it's hard to be angry with someone you love. 
Grace is one of those things that I don't think I'll fully understand this side of heaven. And grace is one of those things that I battle with on a daily basis, guys. And I battle with it to the extent that these things are actually pretty handy sometimes. I've even got a list. I've got a list on my notes that's called the grace of God. And I wanted to read this list to y'all because this list does nothing but remind me of who God truly is on a daily basis. Hebrews 14, 16 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Number six, 24 through 26. So why, this is why I don't understand why people say the Old Testament God's a mean God. Because number six, 24 says this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord makes his face shine on you and is gracious to you. And the Lord turns his face towards you and gives you peace. Then you go on to Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. It says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we are dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Then you go on to Psalms 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracing, gracious slow to anger and abounding in love. Then you go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. And God call, <clears throat> and I'm sorry, and God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Titus 2, 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion and, it li and live in self-control, upright, godly living in the present of this age. Then you go to 2 Timothy 1.9. He has saved us and called us to the holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time. Then you go to Isaiah 30, verse 18. Let the Lord, <clears throat> yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait on him. Then you go to Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Then you go back to Ephesians 2, starting in verses 8 and 9. For by his grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own works. It is a gift of God, so that no one can boast. Then you go to 2 Chronicles 11 or 30, verse 9. For the Lord of God is gracious and compassionate. He will not turn his face from you, and he will return to you. Then you turn to John 3:16. Say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And none of you would have known that unless he was sent to tell you. Every single one of us would continue to think that God is against us. Every single one of you would have thought that God is angry. Every single one of you would have thought that God is mean. Every single one of you would have thought that God is far from you. But God's love for us is so strong that he was willing to send his son. Think about this. We've been hearing a lot about war for quite a while now. But he was willing to send his son behind enemy lines. He was willing to send his son to the war. He was willing to send his son as a messenger to tell us that this is a war that we can never win. He came to tell us that I don't want to fight you. He came to tell us that I don't want to destroy you. He came to tell us surrender before it's too late. And he came to tell us all this when this was a war that he didn't even start. But brothers and sisters, this is a war that he will finish. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is justice. He is love. He is compassion. And he is forgiveness. Romans 5.10. For while we were enemies, it's a strong word, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. The message that God sent Jesus to tell us is three simple little things. First thing, God wanted to tell us, I miss you. I miss you. I created you in your mother's womb. I fashioned you in the innermost parts. I got hands on when I created you. And when you chose to go your own way and chose to separate yourself from me, it hurt me. And I miss you. The second thing he came to tell us is he came to tell us, I love you. I love you so much that I am going to move heaven to earth in my son, Jesus Christ. And I am going to let him endure the punishment that you, that you owe. And I'm going to do this because I want you to know I love you. And the last thing he came to tell us was simply this. I forgive you. My grace abounds forever. And because of the finished work of my son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, you are forgiven.
You no longer have to hide in shame. You no longer have to live in regret. You no longer have to live embarrassed by the things that you've done in your life. My son sets you free from that. Live in that freedom. Father, in trying to communicate who you are for far too long, many of us, even myself, have painted a very bad picture of who you are. And Father, I'm glad that you sent your son as light to reveal to us just how much you love us. Father, there's some here this morning, no doubt, that probably have heard and understand this message for the first time. There's some probably still here, just like me, Lord, that don't understand why it is that you can love them after everything they've done. There's some here this morning, Lord, who just need to know those three things. That you miss them. That you love them. And that you forgive them. This morning, Lord, through your scripture and through the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what only you can do and draw the hearts of your people to yourself. Father, as we move closer to Easter, help us to remember this message was not just sent for us, but it was sent for everyone. So Father, help us to be bold and share in who you truly are because this world has its own conception of who you are. And you've given it to us through the lot your love for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. This morning. I know some of you are probably thinking this is a message that I've heard a thousand times. Well, it's a message you'll probably hear a thousand more times. Because one thing that I think we forget of we forget as believers is that we daily need the gospel. Daily I have to have the gospel because daily I have to remember that I'm missed. Daily I have to remember that I'm loved and daily I have to remember that I'm forgiven because it keeps us going. It keeps us fully charged and passionate about this mission that he's given us. But for some of you this morning, there's a good chance, whether it's here in, pub, in person or even on the live stream, that this may be the first time that God's really opened your eyes to who he is, that he's not an angry God, that he's not a mean God, and that he is not far from you. And there's a good chance that he's telling you right now, I'm here Surrender. This morning, if that's you,
when they play, when we stand, I'm going to be right here. If it's you online, we've got numbers on the bottom of the screen. We want you to text that number and tell us what, you're, what the decision that you're making. Why? Because this is the most important decision that you'll ever make in your life. It's more important than the shoes on your feet. It's more important than the clothes on your body. It's more important than your 401k. It's more important than what you're going to eat for lunch. It's more important than what you're going to do tomorrow. Because this decision is the only decision that affects from here to eternity. This morning, if that's you, please let us know. As we stand, as they play, as they sing, this is your time to respond. However you feel led to respond, whether it's at the altar here, whether it's right there next to you, if you need to respond to God, grab the person's hand next to you and just tell them, pray with me. This is what I'm battling with. But this morning, you've heard who God is. How you respond to Him, that's up to you.